Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be talking about the 1976 horror film Carrie, directed by Brian De Palma and starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and Amy Irving. This movie is based on Stephen King's 1974 novel with the same name, and it's about a teenager who develops telekinesis powers and who is bullied by her classmates. As a reminder, Brian and I are going to dive into the background of the film. We'll uh, take a quick break where you hold some music, and then we'll dive into the plots, hit some of the spoilers, and review the film. Brian, I'm guessing you've seen this movie a few times? I think I'd only seen it once before, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it was like a... Eighth or ninth grade. Wow, and you haven't revisited it since? I haven't revisited it since. I really have been meaning to. I didn't like it at the time, so I'm, I'm glad we took another look. Wow, okay, cool. That's a interesting take. And uh, you never saw like any of the uh, remakes either? I never did, though I was intrigued by the 2013 one just because I like Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh, man, same. I like her a lot, too. <laughs> that, that's a random one. I, I don't think a lot of people... Uh, that's not like a name you hear too often. Whoa. What do, what do you like her from? I think she has her fans. I think Kick-Ass was what, what did it for me. Yeah, she was great in Kick-Ass. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I liked her in 30 Rock, too. Good. Yeah, she was kind of okay. fun in 30 Rock. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I want to see that remake, uh, but I, I'm assuming it has less of a significance than this one. Yeah, it has mixed reviews. Yeah. And th- this one's like up there, man, right? It's like one of the highest rated horror films uh, by like the AFI and stuff and nominated for some awards and things. Yeah, I mean, it's on a lot of lists of top 100 horror films, top 10 horror films, maybe even. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it was nominated for two Academy Awards, Sissy Spacek for Best Actress and um, Piper Laurie for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, big yeah, deal. Yeah, de- definitely like a big legacy. But uh, genre-wise, uh, where would you put this one? Uh, which movie, potentially? It almost plays like a witch movie in some senses. I didn't even think of that. I just kind of put it in the supernatural yeah. and drama bucket. It's kind of, you know, got a little bit of a revenge theme to it, too. Yeah. Um, coming of age. There's kind of like this theme of women coming of age stories that kind of weave in the period as well. I yeah, just sounds like a really old <laughs> man. <laughs> Even the period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The period is referenced in these. <laughs> I, th- I was thinking even like um, Gretel and Hansel, you know? Remember that? that oh, yeah. You're that right. ended up being kind of a coming of age story for Gretel, and, and she prominently has her first period in that film. You're right. Oh, man. Yeah, I was trying to remember what other films we've seen that, that have touched on that. Yeah, I mean, like uh, it, it Follows and The Witch could be seen similarly to... Mm-hmm. There's ginger not snaps. specifically a, a yeah ginger snaps for sure yeah right we're, we're like yeah you kind of have like this underlying uh, theme of a, a, a woman coming into womanhood potentially yeah yeah I've yeah. read it referred to as teen girl horror as a subgenre and not oh. to mean that it's intended to be enjoyed only by teenage girls but that it is unique uniquely focused on teenage girls coming you know yeah. coming of age. That, that right, sounds right. like old manny too, but <laughs> you know, going through puberty and growing up and yeah, yeah, transitioning into into adulthood. And who better to write about it than Stephen King? Right? <laughs> you know, dude, I recently listened to a podcast. Have you ever listened to the King Cast? 
No, I haven't. There's a podcast dedicated to discussing the films based on Stephen King's work. And mm-hmm. Karen Kusama was their guest to discuss Carrie, and she directed oh. The Invitation and Jennifer's Body. Oh, cool. And she spoke really highly of the ability of Stephen King and Brian De Palma to get into the mindset of a teenage girl. Wow. Uh, wow so she that's was awesome. like, yeah, it's a bummer. We don't have more stories like this written by women and directed by women, but they yeah. surprisingly did a very good job. That's awesome. That's good to so hear. So it has her approval, which, you know, is at least something. Yeah, I think part of it has to be Stephen King's wife too, right? Because it sounds like he threw out the script, or, or like when he was writing this uh, book, he wasn't like uh, I, I think he was gonna like leave it unfinished, but she kind of jumped in and encouraged him to finish it. And I imagine she like has some of her fingerprints on this. Yeah, I wonder. I have to wonder. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, Stephen okay. King just understands people, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of his stories have a really human element, both human strengths and weaknesses without really making anyone the demon or the hero in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Or turning the hero into the demon or, or vice versa. So it right. makes sense to me. That's true. And I think that's kind of what's scary about his writing. Like he's really yeah. able to get into like that mentality. Yeah. And Though, I think there's a lot of that. I haven't read the book, but there's a lot of that in here too, which I think we'll discuss in our commentary and review about just human weakness and errors and our own flaws and how we handle them and confront them and how that has repercussions throughout the movie for sure. several different characters. Ooh, okay, cool. That's a pretty loaded subject. Yeah, I want to ask you about that hero comment again because uh, that was one thing that jumped out to me in this one. All right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you uh, on, on the genre. Like, I, actually, you know, the, I wouldn't have thought witch at all watching this, but I, I know at one point uh, her mother, I think, refers to her as a witch. But, it, you know, just because you have, uh, I guess, a, a woman with, like, supernatural abilities in this one, um, I, I guess that's, like, that you wouldn't call it a witch movie just because of that, right? Right. Maybe it's a little bit sexist of it to put it in that genre bucket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Asshole. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, who cares? <laughs> yeah. I, <will. laughs> no, I, I didn't, I didn't think of it. You're the one who... Who uh, corrected us? I'm just, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. No, I, that, that's why I was also surprised to just to, to see that. But uh, I, I think her mom does say that though, right? In the in the movie. Yeah, she calls her a witch a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, do you remember that movie Teeth by any chance? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah that would movie... be another one that would fall into this this bucket of horror that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, this is Stephen King's first published book. I, I didn't realize that, that, that like this kind of really opened, uh, the gateway to like how we all know Stephen King today. Like without this book, you think he would have been as big as he is today? No, he himself, I don't know if this is a direct quote, but he basically said the movie made the book and the book made me. Yeah. Right. So that's, he's, that's I think he's very thankful to Brian De Palma and essentially largely credits him with his the takeoff of yeah. his career. I mean, you could say Stephen King's career would have taken off one way or another, but this is definitely how it broke out. And this was the first film or TV adaptation adaptation of any of his works. And I read that he yeah. has hundreds of I TV know. and or film adaptations, which I know, or <laughs> uh, not not hundreds, over a hundred, which is staggering. But when you really start to think about it, it's like yeah. Yeah, some yeah. of his stories have been adapted five times, so... Yeah. I know, that's that's crazy. I was trying to count, like, how many works he had. It was just way too many uh, theater productions and, yeah, films and, and TV. It's wild. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, they, I, this movie made him into a household name, basically. So that's pretty cool. And this director, I, I guess he did Scarface. He's done like Mission Impossible. He kind of had a, his own style and uh, like influence back then, it seems like. Yeah, I would love to watch more of his movies. I feel like in film nerd circles, he's brought up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. some of his movies from the 70s and 80s are very distinctive. So we should check. Yeah. I think some of them kind of straddle the horror line, but we should see if there's any other ones we can check out. Sure, yeah. I, I've, I've heard him like grouped as part of like the directors like Martin Scorsese and stuff that were kind of old Hollywood, uh, or yeah, entering the genre in like the 70s, 80s and doing some like new things. Right, yeah. That's cool. Um, have you? Oh, so you haven't read the book then? I haven't. I need to read more King stuff. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've read the book. I, I hadn't seen this movie before. But, uh, yeah, it felt like I knew the plot from the book. So it was, uh, it was cool to see it go down. All right, man. Tonight this is cool because we discussed the craft before this and now this. So two classics you haven't seen yet. This is fun. I know. <laughs> Bringing some new territory here. Yeah. It's good. Fill in some holes, as you like to say, right? Exactly. Nice. Uh, well, uh, Sissy Spacek, uh, are you familiar with her or her work before this? No, not really. I mean, she's. I only recognize her from this. Yeah, all right. Uh, I you ever watched like the show Bloodline? No, I haven't. Is she in that? I think she's like a, one of the main characters in that one. And yeah, I I I know her kind of like as an older actress. Uh, so it's cool to see. Like I think this was probably only her fourth or fifth film. In, yeah, like, I think getting so. nominated so early. Right. She's in Castle Rock as well. Oh, in that TV show? Yeah, she was in The Ring mm-hmm. Two and The Help and an LCD sound system music video. Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check those out. Uh, was it crazy to see John Travolta in this? Yeah, I forgot he was in this. Yeah. <laughs> that that kind of hit me out of nowhere. Those, yeah, those there's quite a few familiar faces in this. And then uh, PJ Souls is from Halloween. Um, I can't oh. remember. She's Norma in this. Just one of the random girls who does the bullying. But um, right. oh, I'm blanking on her name in Halloween. Linda. Oh, okay. In, yeah. in Halloween, uh, the first one? Yeah, yeah, Who, whose boyfriend Bob comes in dressed as a ghost. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can see her now, yeah. Yeah. Good, good uh, and then Edie McClurg was one of the girls, too, and she was the principal's assistant from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, wow. Uh, who is she in this one? Just, like, kind of a, a face in the crowd, for the most part, of the girls oh, who are okay. bullying Carrie. Sure, sure. Wow, yeah, well, a lot of people getting their start here. Yeah, it was fun to see her. Yeah, um, any any other anyone else you recognize? No, that's the only, those were the only people I really wanted to call out. Okay, cool. although Piper Laurie, her mom, I'm me and Kelly are just starting the 1990 series Twin Peaks, and she's in that too. Oh, nice. Uh, wasn't Piper Laurie was uh, was Carrie's mom, right? Yes, correct. Oh, okay, cool. And she was also nominated for an award. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, best supporting actress. Cool. Yeah. That's cool for like the seventies, uh, seeing a horror film get uh, you know that kind of main stage credit. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, really, it was only before this was The Exorcist that got nominated. Uh, I think mm-hmm. for best picture and best screenplay, maybe. And then people always talk about that and Misery and Silence of the Lambs. And then other than that, there really aren't many horror movies that get nominated in any way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's kind of overlooked. Yeah, there's a few but, more yeah. that I can't think of, but it's it's very few. Sure, sure. Yeah, but you have some like undeniable performances in this one. Something I'm glad it got its credit. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, like the, this one looked like a huge success, thirty three point eight in the box office, and uh, on a budget of one point eight million. That that's incredible. Yeah, I mean that's a crazy return. Yeah, yeah, wow, um, pretty awesome. I, any idea, like why? Like I mean, watching it, I, does it? It doesn't seem like a blockbuster type film, does it? Yeah, it doesn't seem like a movie that would have hit the audiences as well as it did. But uh, maybe that last scene really people left the theater speaking highly of it sure raving about it yeah what they just seen yeah yeah it's pretty sense. slow throughout the entire movie other than that which i think is why i didn't like it as a kid yeah and even like that scene you're talking about like that's like two to three minutes tops so it's it's interesting that that's uh you're talking about like at the school right yeah yeah the conclusion i think it's longer than you think I don't know. I think I went back. Well, in that time. specific scene may not be that long, but it, it, that's that happens when there's still like twenty minutes left in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. There's more going on. All right. Well, cool. Uh, any other background on this? Uh, too much. Ninety-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Seventy-seven percent for the users. Mm-hmm. Um, eighty-five percent score on Metacritic. Oh, Stephen King was only paid twenty-five hundred dollars for the film rights. Oh yeah. Well, I thought that was like an advance, and then he would be—he'd get like royalties on top of that or something. I didn't see anything about royalties in the agreement, but um, mm. maybe maybe there was. Yeah, but that's nevertheless, crazy. It, it catapulted him into stardom, so it paid off. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then the other films in the franchise: Carrie Two from nineteen ninety, The Rage Carrie Two from nineteen ninety nine, Carrie in two thousand two, and Carrie in twenty thirteen. And I read that there was briefly a theater musical adaptation in 1988 that got horrible reviews and was <laughs> shut down pretty quickly oh man <laughs> that's too bad i feel like this could work on a stage yeah right, right? You, yeah you would think i mean you just put a bucket up there <laughs> yeah exactly it was made for the stage basically <laughs> yeah. um and it was scored by this dude named pino Donaggio that did don't look now tourist trap piranha the howling Seed of Chucky and a bunch of other De Palma films. So, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that was cool. I hadn't heard that name before, but he's he's done a lot of movies we've seen. They, for, for the score, I feel like they also borrowed uh, from Psycho, right? The it, the violence. Yeah, it definitely feels borrowed from Psycho. That the high high strings. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was surprising to hear in this one. Yeah, but I felt the most powerful part of the score was when carrie comes home after prom and that that's very much its own thing that's a departure from any psycho imitation yeah and uh is that like the piano piece that plays at that part um i can't remember what the instrumentation was i just remember thinking wow this is effective yeah 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 i I thought there were a few parts throughout the film where i I just like the soundtrack was great right yeah uh cool anything else or uh, you got an ohio connection for us yeah the ohio connection is all i got if you got nothing else we'll hit that let's do it our friend alex connects every movie to our home state of ohio forest alex owns the jukebox bar and restaurant in cleveland ohio when they reopen in the spring make sure to head up there to get a beer on their socially distanced patio and alex says carrie was one of the first major films for longtime star john travolta Having made his first impressions on the sitcom Welcome Back, Cotter, Travolta ultimately made the leap from the small screen to the big screen in the late 70s. His career includes memorable starring roles in Saturday Night Fever, Grease, Pulp Fiction, and Face Off, and Alex says, insert lights, camera, no guest spot promo here. (laughs) Thanks. We discussed Face Off with Lights, Camera, No, so go check out their podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Lights, Camera, No. 
Uh, and Alex says, in 2014, Travolta starred in the B-list action crime thriller Criminal Activities, which was set and principally filmed in Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. Have you seen that one? Cool. No, I haven't. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, cool. I'll have to check Hold it out. Set in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you a big John Travolta fan? I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never once considered it, but I, I guess so. Yeah, after watching Face Off uh, with Lights Camera now, I, I kind of want to watch uh, binge watch some of his other films. Same, same. Yeah, cool. Get some more Travolta back in our lives. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Alex. Yeah, great job. That was awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, anything else, or should we take that break and uh, t- uh, talk about the, our review and uh, the plot? Yeah, let's hit some of these spoilers. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, do you mind if we take a quick break, though? I, I got to run to the grocery store really quick. Okay, sure. All right, I'll be right back. Hey man, sorry about that. I'm back. Okay, cool. How'd it go? Uh, it was good. You know, we're all out of uh, pig's blood, but uh, you know, I I got there all ready to buy it, but I, I left my sledgehammer at home, so uh, I was out of luck. So I have to make another trip probably. <laughs> <laughs> was that is that an efficient pig's way to blood, get pig's blood? Slug your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That this got to be an easier way, right? Like a less messy, like like a knife or something, or a pair of scissors. Well, I mean, if you're gonna kill the pig with a knife or a pair of scissors, not a good idea. They, I'm sure they probably had some some cutting open tool on their persons <laughs> as well. It wasn't just like we're gonna bash the pig and collect the blood from the puddle that we're gonna leave. I would hope not, but I don't know. We didn't see that part. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a deleted scene. <laughs> where John Travolta is just like squeezing the body of the pig to make the blood come <laughs> yeah. out of the head <laughs> putting pressure on it <laughs> yeah Chris uh, we'll be thinking about that for a while um, alright well yeah let's go through the plot here so this movie kicks off with the scene of high schoolers they're playing volleyball Carrie is one of the high schoolers on the field and uh, she misses the ball which causes her team to lose and there's some derogatory comments made at her from her classmates Later, and she's in the locker room, and uh, she's in the shower. She's uh, bathing herself, and she suddenly starts having uh, what we come to know later as uh, her first period. And uh, she starts to freak out because uh, she doesn't know what's happening. And she like looks to her classmates for help, but her classmates end up taunting her and throwing tampons at her and yelling. I think they're yelling, "Plug it up!" Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then uh, finally, the gym teacher, Miss Collins, comes in and breaks it all up. And she sends Carrie home for the day. Uh, and she kind of like yells at all the other kids. Uh, we also get this brief sense that Carrie has some special powers uh, because she's able to break an ashtray and a light bulb uh, while she's, uh, you know, having these confrontations with the teachers. Uh, what did you think of like this whole opening sequence? This opening sequence in this locker room horrified me as a kid. Like, yeah. Not necessarily like this is scary, but it just made me so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think part of it is the look on Carrie's face. She's just utter panic. Sure, right. And yeah, I she... think the vulnerability of her being completely naked adds something to it, too. Yeah. Which I can like wrap my head around now as an adult. But I feel like at the point in my childhood when I saw this, I was just like, 
nudity means one thing to me. <laughs> right. It's not this. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think about that. I think I even brought this up when we discussed Candyman. There's a specific scene of nudity in that that's commingled with trauma that my like seventh year old, seventh, seventh grade boner brained mind couldn't wrap its head around. Sure. And I think that can, um, and you think of horror as just like using nudity for, for one purpose, right? It's just like usually schlocky, yeah. but right. boy, it can really add a lot of horror to a scene. Um, I'm starting to notice. I think also of uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween when Annie's just like topless and dying on the floor for like 30 minutes, it seems. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, so at first I was like, why are we seeing like full frontal nudity from every girl in yeah. this locker room? Is it just like the the women's locker room trope in movies? But right. I think it's like woven into something deeper than that. I think you're right. It, it kind of like sets you up for like uh, that that sense of what you're used to in these films, and then it hits you with that when she is like there and like vulnerable and like this very awkward, frightening situation. Yeah. It's like hit so much harder. Yeah. Y- even the music in this scene, like the 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 way the the camera's like panning through the locker room with like this really kind of like almost like uplifting classical music going on. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't prepare you for like what you're about to see go down, and I feel like you can really uh, resonate with like what she's feeling, and it's like really scary and like d- despairing. Yeah, yeah. The tone in this movie like switches back and forth, and is so like strange, but it it ends up working in a lot of ways. Yeah, because it creates like that awkward tension, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, it, it, hit, it hits hard. It's an interesting formula, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, this, I, I thought this was a great like opening. Uh, pretty pretty powerful. Agreed. Uh, so at home, Carrie is confronted by her mother, who is like kind of a, a religious like fanatic, right? She's uh, all, all about like the house is like decorated in religious figures, and uh, she's always like kind of making, holding like this guilt over Carrie's head, and like making her like having having to pray for forgiveness for everything. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. She thought uh, so Carrie could essentially avoid her period if she never had lustful thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. She basically tells Carrie that menstruating is a form of sin and she locks her in this closet and makes her pray for forgiveness. So, uh, yeah, it kind of gave me vibes of like that woman in, in misery. I, I think like that kind of, uh, you know, someone who's kind of like not well mentally and, and torturing someone else. Right. Yeah. Pretty for creepy. sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so meanwhile, uh, Miss Collins, the gym teacher, she puts the other girls in detention for what they did to Carrie. Uh, one of her classmates is this young woman named Chris. She rebels against the teacher and ends up getting suspended and banned from prom. The teacher smacks her on the field. Uh, did, did, did this seem problematic to you at all? Yeah, this teacher is like questionable, the, the reality of her actions. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although I'm sure it was a different time. And like I think of some of the stuff that went on in my schools where I'm like, if it was now and I learned about my kid having an interaction with a teacher like that, I would not be okay with it. Um, oh, for, yeah. But like straight up hitting somebody is pretty extreme. It is right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty wild. And I, I, I miss Collins was like a hard person to read. Like, uh, I know she's like on Carrie's side and she's like trying to do justice by her, but yeah, she seems like really emotionally invested in that and the way she's like taking it out on, uh, her other classmates and stuff and like even like smacking this girl, um, is yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, she was like a compl- at first I couldn't figure out if she was a confusing or poorly written character, but I think she's actually just kind of a complex character. Mm-hmm. And she admits to the principal that she at first like 
couldn't blame the girls for their bullying and felt the same way. And she oh, kind yeah. of, when she first comes in to help Carrie, she's like, get up, grow up, and smacks Carrie to like oh, smack yeah, some sense right. into her. And then she starts to soften. So I think yeah. she's really ashamed of how she reacted at first. Oh. And ashamed so she, of the part of her that felt like those girls too, like that was like on the side of the girls that were bullying. And I think maybe part of punishing the girls so hard is a way mm. of squashing down that part of herself that that reacted that way at first. That's super interesting. So you have like repressed emotions on like every level or like this feeling of guilt that's like driving these characters. Yeah, yeah. And I think she's she's trying to undo what she did but causing more harm in doing that because she essentially makes specifically that one girl hate yeah. Carrie even more for because the Carrie then ends up being the reason the girls have to go through this harsh punishment. Yeah, and, and that's a very interesting theme like through this movie is it does feel like a set of chain reactions like for each character in a way. So, uh, yeah, that, I, I think that I could see that that kind of explains some of what like Miss Collins does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so we we know uh, Miss Collins now uh, has like suspended Chris, uh, who's like very upset, and and uh, she's you know vowing to get revenge. Um, but on the other hand, you have this other classmate named Sue. She feels bad for Carrie and convinces her boyfriend, Sue's boyfriend, Tommy, to ask Carrie to the prom. Uh, I think she just feels really bad for Carrie and, and wants her to have that experience. So Tommy goes along with this and asks Carrie to go to the prom. Carrie's mom is super against it, but Carrie insists that she's going to go and she uses her powers to kind of scare off uh, and hold back her mother. Hey, what what did you think about uh, this in terms of like Sue and her willingness to uh, like yeah send her boyfriend to prom with like this other person? I was so confused about Sue's intentions until the very end of the movie. Really, which kind of made it um, more interesting to me. I couldn't quite figure out what the plan was. Okay, all right. I thought but, that they were all in on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. I I could I feel like she was like kind of positioned as like the goody good good girl in this one. Uh, yeah, because she was kind of telling uh, Chris to get over it. Yeah, yeah. Chris was freaking time. out about the punishment. Got it. But at this point, you thought maybe like this was part of like a long play on her side. Yeah, exactly. A long con was what was in my mind. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> hey, you thinking about your prom date now? <laughs> Thirty years later, or something. I still coming. still hasn't paid off, but I'm not yeah. playing that long game. Yeah, something's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so in the meantime, Chris, who, who we know is like very upset about all of this and, you know, going to get back at Carrie, she hacks up a plan with her boyfriend, Billy, who's played by John Travolta and they steal a bunch of pig's blood and they place it above the stage where the prom king and queen are going to be announced. Uh, they plan, they have this plan that they're going to dump this blood on Carrie after she, after rigging the votes so that Carrie wins prom queen. So it's kind of like this diabolical plan just to prank her at the prom, basically, with uh, with pig's blood, which, I mean, that's that's pretty extreme, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that had to smell horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in reality, I would bet everyone could have smelled that pig's blood when they walked into prom. Really? That, that's kind like of how... sitting there overnight. That's how pungent pig's blood is? I mean, I've never smelled pig's blood, but I think if you had a whole bucket of it there not being refrigerated, it would it would start to... Yeah. gather flies and, and reek yeah 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 i guess like any blood probably would right That's... yeah i would have to guess but I, I have very little experience with buckets of blood yeah yeah unfortunately same um all right well yeah so K- 
Carrie g- again goes to the problem with Tommy and like he's he's a nice enough guy and they even like kind of hit it off and he's being really good to her they they dance um and uh I think they even like kiss once or twice so it's you know it's a really great night for her and and him and everyone's having a good time and we see this trope that you and I just talked about in the craft where everyone's kind of like stopping and looking at them and giggling and whispering etc but um she seems to be enjoying it then the time comes where, sure enough, she's called up, uh, her and uh, Tommy, they've won the prom king and queen, they're on stage getting the award or whatever, or the crown, and uh, Chris and Billy are under the stage, they pull a string and all this pig blood pours onto Carrie and it knocks out Tommy. Uh, what'd you think? Because I, I know like we've been in like this dance now for like maybe 15-20 minutes, there's been a lot of build up towards this moment. What do, what do you think of like the build up to all this? I think it worked. They really drew it out because the gym teacher sees Sue realizing that something is afoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gym teacher is just so mad that Sue snuck into prom that she's throwing her out. Again, being very physical with the student. <laughs> um, so they really take their time with it. Um, yeah. But I thought it was really effective, especially like it just added another insult to the injury that the one person who is standing next to her and you now know is on her side, even though personally I doubted it this whole time. I couldn't remember (laughs) if he was in on the joke has now been knocked unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and might like really be hurt. Yeah. Um, I think in the book he's actually killed here. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. He might have been in the movie, too, because they looked pretty serious when they were kind of, like, gathered around him. I feel right. like they were almost checking his pulse. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I, I thought it worked out well. Uh, what did you think? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. Like, it was, it was a nice, like, build-up, and, like, the scene goes on for a long time, and as a viewer, you kind of know what's coming. Um, but it's it's a fine line. Uh, it, like, part of me wonders if it went too long. Like, there was one thing uh, on the camera work where when they're dancing, uh, it was spinning like around really quick, and that went on for like a few minutes. Long shot there, and then yeah, once they're on stage, like there's a lot of like flashing to the buckets, to the people under the stage, to the teacher's expression, to Sue's expression, to Carrie's expression, and that like rotation goes on for like a few minutes, and I couldn't tell if it was like too long or appropriate, but it seems like you felt it was appropriate. I felt it was appropriate, but I can totally see where you're coming from. It, it was borderline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of right there, but good, good tension building. Yeah. Uh, and then the blood is spilled. Um, things go nuts. One question I had for you here is: uh, I know we kind of see, I think, what I want to call Carrie vision, where she imagines like everyone's like laughing at her, and you get this camera vision of like you know like six, uh, six shots like in a circle, basically, of people's expressions laughing at her. Uh, do you know were people actually laughing, or was that just in her head? I think people were actually laughing. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, so she turns on the crowd. Uh, she starts tra- locking all the doors for the school, traps everyone inside, and then uses her powers to uh, start setting the place on fire, having the water pipes going off on people, electrocuting people, and she leaves the school as it's like burning down and basically killing everyone. Um, yeah, so I, I went back and I timed this scene like from when she like starts attacking the school to when she walks out. And it's only about like two to three minutes, which is weird because I, I feel like this is the climax of the film. Uh, but I don't. Did, did you get the feeling like it felt a little rushed or anything? I didn't really because I don't know. Maybe it was the time it took to build up to it, and just the look on her face when she's doing it and being soaked in blood. It, it's pretty intense, and I think if you would have taken a long time to do it, it would have lost some of the potency. Yeah. 
um, what else would there have been to do, you know, like go into explicit detail about how each death was choreographed? <laughs> like, all you really need to know is she's killing people and she sets the place on fire and gets out of there. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Spend more time on, you on want, the career. <laughs> yeah. You wanted on, on, more specific deaths. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, how many you've got? Uh, you've got like 150 people, 200 people dying in there, probably, right? And uh, you don't really see so much of that carnage. Like you, you see one or two people get killed, like the teacher, Miss Cooper, uh, or sorry, Miss Collins, getting killed, and uh, one of like the principals getting killed. But you don't see like the horrific deaths of like a lot of other people, and it's just kind of implied, I guess, as she walks out of like a burning school. But you don't think seeing that would have made it a little bit more powerful? Maybe um, I I almost I feel like you saw Miss Collins die pretty gruesomely, even though there wasn't any blood or anything, which mm-hmm. was a big deal because she was the most important character and the one who was the most on the side of Carrie, aside from sure. Tommy and and Sue maybe. Yeah. Um, and then you just hear everybody screaming in this burning building as she walks out of it. I, I thought it was powerful. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Um, I think it was the right choice for this movie, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, because you got, like, the important people, and you're watching them, uh, these other students who you don't really know, and kind of, like, just put into one category. I don't know if, like, seeing them individually die would have added anything, or if it would have, like, then bordered on slasher territory, which is just about body counts. So maybe they played to, like, a higher ground then by keeping it uh, more, like, conceptual. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some stuff that happens later, too, that would have maybe felt like less of a climax had they gone harder on this scene in terms of the impact explicit violence sure yeah yeah that makes sense uh yeah so she walks out of the school it burns down uh billy and chris the two who had set that prank they see her and they try to run her down with their car but she uses her powers to flip the car and it explodes killing them both uh so then you get into the last act which um you know this this is a cool one where she goes home she's crying she takes a bath she finds her mother and is looking for comfort from her mother but instead, her mother uh, tells her how Carrie was born I, out of what I think was uh, her, when her mother was raped by someone. And then her mother takes a knife and stabs Carrie in the back while Carrie's kind of like crying in her arms. So there's a chase sequence where the mother is like chasing Carrie down the stairs with a knife. And then uh, before she's able to stab Carrie, Carrie's able to use her powers and have all these knives come and uh, stab her mom, crucifying her in this... Uh, in the hallway, basically, to like a, knives to the hands and in uh, I think in the head too, maybe. Ah, uh, not in the head, probably. But yeah, yeah, I think a few to the body to mimic that uh, statue of Jesus that was in the the prayer closet. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty fitting end to the mother, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the mother is like her image yielding the, wielding this knife with a gleeful smile on her face as she tracks down Carrie is very disturbing to me. That was, yeah, because it's, it's also, like, it's pretty, like, like well lit up. It's, like, a bright scene, but it's, like, this crazed mother with a knife coming after. It's kind of this weird uh, combination of things. Yeah, and, I mean, she feels like she's doing the Lord's work, so she's, sure. like, pleased to be doing it. <laughs> she's all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's high on, on the Lord's power. Yeah, and I think she even is, I heard that she argued to Brian De Palma that instead of screaming in agony, she should be almost in pleasure that she was dying in this way, like oh. going to be rewarded in heaven. Interesting. Which yeah. is why her death scene is almost sexual in a way. It's She's like sexu- moaning and like 
a mix of pain and pleasure. Oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it makes it all the more disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. This part really hit. Uh, it's crazy to see this like kind of one-on-one battle go down. Um, but then, uh, so Carrie, yeah, she's like beside herself. You know, she's killed her mother. She's just putting the school down. A lot of grief, and I think it's a combination of all these feelings that then causes the house to collapse and explode, and supposedly killing Carrie. Is, is that what, what your understanding is? Yeah, I think it was just Carrie's grief that brought the house down. Interesting. Yeah. And, and yeah, it made, made it explode and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Caught fire and, yeah. Yeah. So, She's big on fire. Oh, uh, sorry? She's big on fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. That seems to be her MO. <laughs> uh, the, the the movie then ends with Sue, who uh, was, you know, who's the one kicked out of the, the prom. Um, she, who sent her boyfriend with uh, Carrie. Uh, she is having a dream. Uh, she's at home cause she survived all this. She's having a dream that she's visiting where Carrie's house was and out of the rubble, a hand pops out and grabs her and she wakes up and, uh, she's with her mother, but she's obviously tormented and that's where the movie ends. Uh, yeah. did you get a jump scare when that hair hand popped out? I didn't. Did you? I did, even though it's uh, not a typical jump scare that we think of today because the like audio sting doesn't come when the visual shock happens. Oh, sure. It was like, it's like yeah. on a delay. Yeah. Yeah, that w- that's what was weird about it. Because, yeah, I was reading like other people, like that was like a big scare at the end. But uh, that's weird. Why, it wasn't timed with the audio correctly? I, I mean, by choice, it's just not the way we would see that done today. Yeah, um, yeah. Like they didn't happen at the same time. But it still worked for me for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure why he chose to do it that way. Yeah. I think, I don't know if, uh, maybe I'd seen this part or seen it referenced in somewhere else, but I kind of right. like knew that hand was going to pop up. Did, did you, were you expecting it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I know it's like kind of cliche now, but probably back then it was uh, a lot more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't quite as cliche back then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So what'd you think about this one? What, what'd you like about it? Didn't like there were things I didn't like while viewing it that ended up making it a better film to me at the end and when I was going back and analyzing it all in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like the teacher, for example, as we mentioned, she was kind of hard to believe at times. <clears throat> but she's really important in the plot and just an interesting character like that that mix of shame and her actions and how they're a set of chain reactions are like a domino effect that leads yeah everything to this situation um, right i feel like so many of the characters do things motivated by fear and shame some of them trying to make it right some of them trying to make it wrong and it yeah. all leads to the finale the culmination of yeah yeah well, like the mom oh by the way the mom i think they made it sound like she was maybe borderline raped by her own husband they were oh, trying okay. to like be chased and like practice abstinence even as a married couple yeah but she was still considered that rape i guess because uh, she, yeah. she wasn't consenting yeah yeah but and then she like says she ended up liking it but i still think there, there was no consent there so technically rape or you know to your point that could be the grief uh that she has like in in like a retrospect looking back on you know giving into that uh moment um Ye- is, is it possible yeah. that she 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 feels like uh, it, it was rape or something. 
Yeah, I mean, she's kind of an unreliable narrator. Like, sure. I don't think she would really willingly admit that she wanted it to. Right, right. Yeah. Um, that sounds borderline <laughs> creepy of me to say that, but the mom is such a complex, like, shame-driven character about yeah. so much shame about sexuality and, and the religiousness tied up in that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so the mom, motivated by fear... And shame, like, sh- ashamed and afraid of sex and sexuality, so she doesn't teach Carrie about about it. So Carrie doesn't even know she's going to have a period. Like, that's the first big thing that sets this all off, is her complete meltdown over the period that leads to more bullying and a mortifying situation. Sure. Um, and Carrie, in turn, being afraid. The teacher, then being ashamed of her initial reaction, causes her to torment these girls with over and above punishment, which leads... Chris to dig her heels in even further and feel like she needs to get revenge on Carrie. It leads Sue to do a good thing and then have Carrie be invited to the prom, but it's kind of under a false, false pretense. pretenses. Yeah. And then yeah. it kind of throws Carrie into an inorganic situation that is almost putting her in a position where something like this could happen. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so it's just interesting how everyone deals with their own fear, shame, and anger, whether they're trying to do well or or do harm. Like, none of it ends up working out, and it creates this perfect storm of horribleness. Yeah, do you feel like uh, Chris and Billy also subscribe to that, too, where, like, their actions are driven by fear? I, mean, I would say anger, for sure, right? With her, the whole plotting of, of, like, getting revenge on Carrie? Yeah, I mean, Billy... I would say Billy and Chris, like their relationship, there's some time spent there where I was like, why is this really here? But they're kind of like hitting each other and treating each other like shit. <laughs> uh, mostly him hitting her. And I feel like it's kind of just showing like violence begetting violence and bullies yeah. begetting bullies. Um, kind of makes the, the themes a bit more powerful. Yeah, I thought that also set up like how... Uh maybe like irrational uh chris was as a character like uh she kept like being hot and cold with him and like he, he was having like trouble like knowing like where the relationship was or whatever um so you, you kind of like get a sense for like how scary she might be yeah uh, as a character and like how diabolical like like so, so like when she comes up with this plan or like this this prank it, it kind of feels like within her character and given what we've seen right yeah and she she's also a victim a little bit too like she's being abused and she's in turn abusing somebody else yeah sure yeah the cycle of it which yeah yeah i, I mean uh I, I guess that also follows then from like the mother because uh, i imagine uh yeah she, pro- she probably obviously grew up in, in a religious space and she's kind of like passing down like those hard lessons down to her daughter and it, it is kind of like setting up the cycle of like recurring uh trauma or whatever yeah uh, through people yeah so yeah um, that, that, that's really interesting yeah, I'm going to go off on a tangent that may be no, so nonsensical that we might want to <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> but do you remember a while back, me and you were talking about like how we try not to talk too much about religion and politics on the show, but it pops up due to the theme of the movie sometimes, and yeah. we're a little self-conscious about how we handle it. Right. Um, and we talked about like handling it softly so that everybody can listen then like you (laughs) eventually cross a certain threshold where some things you just have to shout down right but but when you cross that threshold and 
the gym teacher was just an interesting little example of like some stuff that's going on in our world right now right you can you can shout down people and make them feel horrible about who they are and what they've done sure and is that the right thing to do or not it does it just lead people to dig their heels in more like chris's character does yeah like right be she was a horrible person and she was going to bully carrie no matter what but would she have gone to this length had she not been right you know over the top punished by the teacher totally that's like what drove her to it right yeah 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 it's like uh whatever you get uh what's the metaphor about like throwing something on fire probably not water but like something (laughs) (laughs) you you throw something on fire and it makes it worse uh sometimes right throwing gasoline on a fire to put it out or something i don't know what the quote is I don't know. I thought there's like a common phrase. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think there might be, but I can't think of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, how how do you deal with like a a balance in ideologies or or like a conflict in ideologies? It's not by punishing the other one because that just drives them towards more extremes. I also think what you said there applies to Sue because she, I think, is coming in as like the savior and she thinks uh, she wants to use her ideals to like, you know, fix what she thinks like Carrie needs based on like what like she appreciates but in turn is like kind of you know not really putting herself in the shoe of like the person who's being uh, the victim and is almost kind of like prescribing this solution which obviously doesn't work well for this person right yeah yeah I mean you could really look at that I mean <laughs> I almost look at it as like liberals in our society trying to deal with racism and extremism like mm-hmm you got to stand up to people, but if you isolate half of society, they're going to dig their heels in even further and group together. Um, (laughs) and amplify it basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And create a little, their own little echo chamber, especially in the social media landscape now, which we've totally seen happen. Yeah. Um, and then you also have people who are like, I'm going to help, but they don't really understand the problem and they end up making things worse. Right, right. Like, and that's just an example too, in principle of everything in life, something is so much easier to break than it is to fix. Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. I feel like sometimes these core truths will come to me when I'm trying to explain something to my three-year-old. <laughs> like, stuff is broken and he'll be like, well, why can't we just put it back together? And I'll be like, stuff's usually easier to break than it is to put back together. And I'm like, whoa, that is so true. <laughs> and then you start uh, making them watch Carrie to understand. Yeah, I'm like, come here, watch this. <laughs> you gotta... <laughs> this will explain uh, everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, she's she's trying to do well, but she doesn't... Yeah, something about that too rings true. Putting Carrie yeah. in an artificial situation and inorganically trying to help. Yeah. Um, but what what is the answer? I think it's still unclear at the end of the movie uh, uh, of how to rectify the situation. The key would have been to not have that situation in the first place. The way right. it could have not happened in the first place is for her mom to not have that fear and shame yeah. Um, of sex, but, you know, in replace sex with anything and to teach her daughter about that. And yeah. then they could have maybe even talked about her powers, too, and worked together to figure out how to control them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, this this has parallels to me. The Frozen franchise, Disney's Frozen, is big in my household. 
Okay. <laughs> and Elsa is essentially Carrie in a lot of ways. Like, <laughs> she's got powers. Her parents are afraid of it at first yeah. and teach her to suppress the powers. Sure. Um, and then she goes berserk with them. Does she kill them? She doesn't kill anybody in the movie, but she, she loses control of her powers. Oh, yeah. Right, right. It's basically as if Let It Go was playing while Carrie has the prom scene. <laughs> but not really. That's a great analogy, man. <laughs> and then the okay. end, like one of the themes for that is Elsa learns that love is the way to control her powers and fear is the enemy. And this movie is just all about like fear, begetting anger, begetting shame and, and horrible things happening. Yeah, because it's a horror film, but I, I could have seen like love at the end being a solution here. Like I think that's what she was looking for from her mother at the end, or what she was like uh, valuing in like her relationship with Tommy and Miss Collins. So that was seeming to have like an impact. But uh, yeah, maybe I, the I, most I, helpful I, thing that Sue could have done was just to be Carrie's friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a, a much easier solution there that wouldn't have involved uh, everyone dying like this. Yeah, I mean it. It's a way to make your feels make yourself feel better and feel like you're helping carry without getting too much skin in the game. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I think again can be has a lot of parallels to today's modern problems. Yeah, right, right. Um instead of like coming up with these uh ungrounded uh I don't know, reactions or whatever or trying to punish one side or the other. Yeah. Just try like yeah. an open conversation or something. Right. And don't get me wrong, like there are definitely things that have happened in this in the recent past that deserve to be punished, but yeah. It's, you know, I think we all recognize that it's more complex than it seems. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the writing here. Like there's like a universality. You know, watching this I was wondering, well, you know, if if, if I'm not in high school right now and I'm, you know, I'm not not a, a woman, am I going to like is this movie going to resonate with me? But I think you're right. Like those un- universal themes and, and layers to this that I think Stephen King is so good at like in in these stories that he does, especially like when it's focused on like teenagers and stuff. Uh, a lot of like those uh, things like still hold like as you become an adult, like those feelings of fear and grief that you carry around that drive your actions uh, to like bully others or become a victim and how that's like passed on from people to people. Uh, that That's all like super real, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like when you do a good, I think a lot of his characters too are like good people afraid of this darkness in them. Um, yeah. And I think the teacher is kind of like that here and there's a lot of themes of when you do a good thing, are you being motivated by something selfish? And is yeah. that okay? Like, I think right. that's kind of built in to make sure people do good things, like evolutionarily. But it's just, yeah. yeah, he's good at capturing the complexity of people without demonizing people. Do you think the movie did uh, that justice, though? Because I, I do feel like they treat Sue like this hero at the end of the day. Like, there isn't, I don't know if they ever kind of bring that I mean you and I are talking about like this question of where her motivation was coming from and if it was really altruistic or not but does the movie you think kind of uh put on a pedestal and say like here was the savior but she you know and she's living with the grief at the end I don't think it put her on the pedestal and I do think her behavior was altruistic but she suffers too I mean she's lost to everybody and lives with the guilt of maybe being the cause of all this yeah. So even though she survived, she certainly didn't get off scot free. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Nobody is the hero, and everybody is the victim. Yeah. I don't. I don't know because I. I think you might watch this film and think Miss Collins and uh, and Sue were heroes that yeah at the end became victims just because the whole town basically lost on this. 
Um, but like, I don't know. I, I could almost see them being painted as like the, the two good guys in this. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And I'm not saying they're not, but, um, portrayed as a hero. I don't really know. Be- being yeah. characters who were more on the side for good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good. But maybe from like their own guilt or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, 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 I guess of, it's like more complicated that than that even like good guys and bad guys like it's yeah. not there, there's the women who are laughing at her and the, the couple that makes the blood come down on her head I mean that's very clearly a bad guy but sure um, there's clearly good guys and bad guys but nobody nobody wins they all deal with the fallout of, of all this right yeah yeah exactly uh yeah uh you know that also feels very similar to like it's I, I think you have similar lines of characters like you have the bully you have the the kids in school who are being uh victimized uh and, and things like that right and the teacher yeah yeah bullying goes. seems to be a common theme in, in some of king's work yeah yeah so interesting to see that and definitely some parallels um what did you think of like the effects and the visuals do you think it holds up after all this time yeah for sure i mean i don't even know i mean there weren't even that many extreme effects aside from a few things happening on their own. Um, yeah. The car veering out of the way to miss Carrie looked a little hokey. Mm. Um, other than that, I think it looked pretty good. What about you? I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's like one thing these seventies, eighties movies have that were light on like CGI and computer graphics. Like you had a right. lot of practical effects, which still hold up. Yeah. Um, Indeed. Performances. Would you, would you think? I thought they were great. Um, even like Tommy, I thought was a really good, sincere performance, um, played by William Cat. I don't think there was really a weak performance in the bunch. How about you? Yeah, I can't think of one. And you know, I think it helps that you have a very like limited cast of main characters. Uh, so yeah, I think each role was like kind of represented pretty well and well acted. Yeah. Uh, so those 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 pretty nice to see. Good. Yeah, uh, I mean, what did you think of the split screen? during the yeah. prom sequence that was that was pretty different i mean not only did you get that weird like b vision right. um it was like carry vision with all yeah. the like hexagon hexagons or octagons yeah yeah but exactly you had the, a dividing line vertically in the middle of the screen to see two things happening at once it, it was interesting i mean the, the whole school scene i feel like he, he did some experimental stuff uh with the shots like the dance scene with the camera going around really fast the carry vision where she has the hexagon and then yeah the split scene so i, I feel like it, in a span of like 20 25 minutes he had like these uh interesting effects that were going on uh which i you know the, the split scene uh i guess it gave you a sense of like the chaos that was like happening all around so i, I think it worked to that effect but i don't know how necessary it was what, what did you think yeah i don't think it was necessary but it did work uh, it made that scene a little bit more visually interesting Sure, just because like uh, yeah, you'd see like the people on stage doing one thing, and then the crowd running away on uh, on the other side doing something else. Yeah, it may have enhanced the feeling of chaos. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And yeah, I think that's like a scene where you wanted to see like get that full three sixty view of what's what's going on because so yeah. much stuff is going on. Right, and that was probably a pretty cheap way to do it, honestly, with their <laughs> their budget of one point eight million. I know, I know, that's pretty lean for this film. Yeah. I, I thought uh, the effect of, of Carrie and like that that blood soaked uh, uh, visual like that that kind of sticks with you like it, they did that really well. 
it very much sticks with you. It's haunting. Her eyes are just wide open, and she's moving very slowly and deliberately. Yeah. She's, like, in utter shock, but in complete rage at the same time. It's it's haunting. Yeah, and yeah. And I, I thought that then you kind of have that climax, but then it gets even scarier to me when she enters your home and there are candles everywhere and she has no idea where her mom is. Oh, yeah. You just know something horrible is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, yeah, I and think her, even w- while she's at the dance, like it just cuts to her mother for a minute, like cutting carrots with a knife or something. Yeah, and yeah. And you're like, holy shit, what's she going home to? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's the scary thing about Carrie, too, is like she has no home. Like, yeah. At one point, when things are going horrible at school, like you can go home, Carrie. And this is not something to look forward to. That's that's I know. horrifying. I know, I know. That's the scariest thing, right? Like you don't have a safe place, and the, like there isn't like someone there that has your back or something. Right. That's right. That's frightening. Uh, it's it's really interesting how his like stories about teenagers, like in this movie and in it, uh, feel like still so. F- uh, universal or like fresh as like an adult like it, i mean like when, when you watch this film like does it remind you of like feelings when you were that age or like feelings that you still have or like do you think this works at all ages i think it does yeah i think it speaks to anyone who's ever felt inferior whether it was in an extreme way and being bullied or just feeling like you really wanted to fit in or weren't quite like everybody else and didn't know why yeah right right that yeah, I I, th- I think you're right. That that's exactly what it hits on, and uh, yeah. and yeah, I, I don't know. For some reason, I always think like that feeling goes away after high school, and that's like unique to high school. <laughs> and but like yeah, I'm watching this film, and you know, you know, like I'm I'm never gonna be in the locker room again, getting taunted by anyone. But for some reason, that's like scary as shit or something, you know. I I don't know. Yeah, if it's you're just, backed like, into a corner, and every you don't have a single ally in the whole room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's terrifying, and it you know, as you get older, you hopefully learn to make peace with yourself and who you are but still all, all the time we everybody suffers from some degree of that it's impossible not to sure yeah and Stephen King kind of plays up that feeling that mm-hmm. we all have inside yeah yeah very familiar fear well that, that's that's great what, uh, anything else or do you want to jump to the score uh, I think we'll jump to the score alright well how many pi- uh, buckets of pig blood would you give this one I give it four and a half buckets of pig's blood ooh nice yeah, I just uh, feel like the story is so rich. Like it sparked such a great discussion here. Hopefully, a great discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it was like a strange little ride for me too, because I knew how it ends, even though I hadn't seen it in twenty, twenty-five years. But I, it was kind of an emotional roller coaster, and you feel for Carrie, and you start to get excited when she stands up to her mom, and you see that. Things are actually going well, and Tommy's sincere, and this is truly the happiest night of her life. Yeah. It's really got a lot of weird complexity with tone, like this terrifying home life and the despair and the hopefulness, even though you know everything's going to turn out shitty. Yeah. It's complex. I I, I love it. I think it's pretty rich. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, and it's so weird, because, like, yeah, going into this film, I I feel like you were, like, you know exactly what's going to happen, but... For some reason, it is like a journey, and uh, yeah, emotionally, the characters, the the acting, the execution. Uh, I think the soundtrack plays a big role as well, and like kind of lifting you up along the way and bringing you down, and then kind of like rock bottoming out at the end. Uh, yeah, it's, it it just hits really hard, and it, it works on so many different levels. Great, great movie, man. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, awesome story, awesome direction, and yeah, that that soundtrack is is not uh shouldn't be overlooked. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you think like uh, Sissy and uh, and who uh, Piper Piper was the actress that did the mother. Yeah, yeah, great great performances. I mean, it's easy to see why Sissy's is great, but Piper's is especially effective and haunting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you feel like uh, what one thing I was wondering when I was watching? Like, do you feel like they got enough screen time? Because I, I noticed there's a portion of the film where uh, they're not even on screen, and it's like on these other characters plotting or like thinking about what they're gonna do or you know what they want to do for Carrie. Um, but did, did you feel like any of that at the end that maybe they got shafted on screen time? I had some of those notes as I was watching. Why aren't we seeing more of Carrie? Why do we care about uh, Chris and Billy as a couple? Yeah. Why do we care about Tommy? shopping for a tux with his buddies um but i in the end i made peace with that i think it gave a better picture of the town and just the the social scene and how billy and chris were were bullies um yeah and then i think the i also never knew if tommy was sincere so then knowing that he was sincere it it gave a scene of excitement to him getting ready for the prom too so it was like that was a scene where it was just kind of him and his friends fooling around it gave a normalness like a teen romantic comedy vibe to it which kind of let you get hopeful and tricks you into being happy yeah i know it's like a little victory along the way like oh great tommy's a good guy something to be uh on board with yeah yeah, I, I think the movie like does a really good job of balancing like the the tension moments and maybe pulling away from uh, the two main characters there, like uh, you know, bring some more heart into the film, and then it hits you like really hard at the end. Like it's a really interesting pacing and chemistry. Yeah, uh, how they for do sure. That. It it all ends up working. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So what did cool. you give it? it zero to five buckets oh, of big blood. Four and a half. I'm with uh, the same. Oh, same nice. as you. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So cool, I'm, man. I'm like. Yeah, yeah. Glad, glad we're back on the same page on things. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> had, had to work through some stuff on the craft. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, was, I can pull my uh, Craigslist ads off looking for other podcast hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Must not like the craft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Anything else? No, that's it. All right, well, that's going to be our discussion on Carrie. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter, in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with a few other listeners and horror fans. You can find that link on our website. We also have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way. You can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Pop Art, so check her out on etsy.com. And until next time, if you're still looking for something to wear to your senior prom, consider something red, just in case. <laughs> Nobody will notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly.